am who it says I am. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. And I can have what it says I can have. Today. Today. I will hear the word of God. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare. I boldly declare. That my mind is alert. That my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. <laughs> I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for these singles. Help them in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you may be seated. We're in our final lesson for our relationship series entitled, Can We Talk? Everybody say, Can We Talk? Can We Talk. And so if you haven't listened or watched the previous messages, please, I'm going to ask you to go and watch them. And if you desire to get married one day, I want to encourage you to go back and watch the marriage sessions as well. I strongly encourage you to watch them because faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All right, so as you can see, I have a guest here with me today, tag teaming with me. So would you give Mr. Letaris R. Whitfield a big hand clap this morning? And so if you're taking notes, the message title is Healing from Divorce and Failed or Toxic Relationships. Are you on? Uh yeah, 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 okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I'm going to repeat the title again. Healing from Divorce and Failed or Toxic Relationships. If you've been in one of those, raise your hand. Uh-huh, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the purpose of the message today is to provide you all with some keys on how to overcome previous relationships so that you're healthy enough for the next one. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I came up with, uh, with 10 top reasons why you still might be single. Okay? And so Mr. Letaris and I, we're going to tag team on these 10. Now let me just say this. I am throwing a lot of shade on the 10. <laughs> but in the shade is some truth. So uh, why don't I start out with number one? Number one, here's the top ten reasons why you still might be single. You are so negative that if you got married right now, you would divorce yourself. <laughs> number two, you are so needy that if you got married, you would be arrested by the police for suffocating your spouse. Oh, my God. You keep your house so junky that if you got married, your spouse would find your ex lost in a pile of clutter. <laughs> Your finances are so out of order that everyone you date has to file for bankruptcy after going out with you. Ooh, that's bad. Mm. That's, mm. That's, that's, that's bad. You're so desperate to get married that you will propose to yourself and buy your own ring. <laughs> <laughs> your credit score is so low that stores ask you for ID even when you're paying with cash. Oh, my God. It's not you good. Are, <laughs> that's bad, ain't that's it? That's bad, that's bad. That's bad, ain't it? You are so religious that when you're on a date and it's time to say grace, you always have to speak in tongues. <laughs> Pastor Evan, your kids are so bad that CPS has to babysit them when you're out on a date. Oh, my God. That's not good. It's not good. You have so many outstanding warrants that it looks like you're dating your parole officer. <laughs> 
And the last one is, your standards are so high, not even Jesus would qualify. Wow. Y'all give us a big hand for the top team right there, top team. So I want to start out with a question for you, Lateris. Okay, the question is, what percent of single people do you think struggle with negative impacts from previous relationships uh, that went bad? And then how can this potentially affect them when they get married? Well, that's a great question, Pastor Evan. I believe that 100% of us are impacted in some way negatively by failed relationships. A hundred. A hundred percent. But however, it's difficult to truly know the percentage of those who choose to struggle by its effects. I say choose because I believe the struggle part is a choice. That's why self-development is so crucial. Mm. Therapy is necessary. Recalibrating yourself in the Lord is mandatory. If you still crying over Ray Ray who broke up with you in the eighth grade, that's a problem. Eighth grade. Eighth grade, baby. You just got to let that go. You got to let that go. And if you still don't trust women because you caught your college girlfriend freshman year sneaking out of a dude's dorm room and you're 45 years old now, <laughs> healing is way overdue. Way overdue. Pastor, my favorite scripture in times of letdown is Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to them who are called according to his purpose. But we're going to discuss that later. That's one of my favorite verses as well. Most people, unfortunately, make healing about their feelings. Yes. And when you make an emotion part of the healing process, I'm not saying you can't get healed emotionally, but if you make it the primary reason why you need healing, then you make healing, watch this now, just like the wind. It's going to come and go. But when you know that making healing is a decision, yes, it's a decision, then healing will take place faster. In other words, healing is about your will and not about how you feel. Yes. Everybody say healing. Healing. Is about my will. About my will. And not how I feel. And not how I feel. So let's jump into this now. We have some points this morning that we want to go over with you. Here's point number one. Failed relationships can make you bitter. Failed relationships. How many bitter people we got in the room? Let me see your hand. We got one. She just... <laughs> I didn't finish the question. She said... Thank you for your honesty. Bitterness is self-induced poison. Yes. It's an internal long-term of infection derived, listen, from an ex external encounter that was not properly managed or resolved. The Bible definition of bitterness means pointed or painful feelings. It's a resentful spirit which refuses reconciliation. It's equivalent, listen to this, to extreme wickedness. Wow. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says this. Let all, everybody say all. All. How much? All. Okay, so that means now, notice the next verse. It says, let all bitterness. That means now, I and you have the potential to keep some. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. One of the cures for bitterness is forgiveness. And this is why a lot of times bitterness begins to build up in people because they refuse to forgive. But see, we learned earlier that forgiveness is for us and not for the person. Yes. 
Say amen to that. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, Looking diligently, uh, 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 lest any man fail of the grace of God. Watch this. Lest any root of bitterness springs up and troubles who? Troubles you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness causes trouble for you and I, and then on top of it causing trouble, it defiles other people. Bitterness is like COVID. It's invisible, but it's contagious. There it is. The word defile there means, listen, it means to taint or contaminate. Mm. So this is why you can't hang out with bitter people because it's contagious. And if you don't watch it, the bitterness that's in their life, remember, it, it does what? It troubles us and it defiles other people. So somebody, you may not even be bitter. You got over your ex. But now you're hanging out with your girl or your homeboy who just came out of a bad relationship. And all that bitterness now, you, they're, they're, they're vomiting that on you. And you're being contaminated. I love the, the living Bible of Hebrews 12, 15. It says, look after each other so that no one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. The only reason people stay bitter is because they don't believe that better is available. There it is. There it is. Now... What do you like the most about that, that verse, Romans 8? What do you like the most about that verse? What's the decision that we have? Like, we all have a decision whether to submit to that scripture. And that's what I love about God. He gives us free choice. And in free choice, we decide what type of outcome we truly want. Wow. And so when we submit to the will of God, then we're able to see the other end of the spectrum. Wow. So are you saying that we're pretty much in control of what we decide in life 100 percent, 100 percent. because the the same word the bible says that the word rightly divides right and the word is sharper than any two-edged sword so whatever we go through we have a an opportunity to submit our will to god's will and that's the main choice that we have is the the, the choice of submission wow how many have ever know that god wanted you to make a decision but you didn't want to do it you ever been with somebody and God's telling you, don't, I don't want you with that person? There it is. So you had an opportunity to choose your will or God's will. Now, how many can be honest and chose your will at times? Let me see your hand. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we all have to a certain degree. So point number two, if you're taking notes, the first one was failed or challenged relationships can make you bitter. But also failed relationships should make you better. Better is a state that upgrades me to a better person, to have a better life, to be at a better level. And the only reason single people get stuck at bitter is because they've lost faith for better. See, faith requires action. Faith without movement is dead. And so if we get stuck at any point, it's because our faith became stagnant. So I want us to go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at something. I want to show you something about this verse. And then he's going to come right behind me because he's got some revelation on this verse that I think that will help us practically live it out. Romans chapter 8. I'm starting in verse 28. Romans 8, 28. Uh, what's the first word? They're going to put it on the screen. Romans 8, 28. What's the first word in that verse? And we know that what? Oh. Okay, let's not stop reading the verse. Let's stop reading it. Because what's the first word in that verse? 
And. and is a conjunction. So when I was growing up, they had this song, Conjunction, Junction. What's your function? All of y'all over 40. That's how y'all know that. <laughs> and so we can't keep reading verse 28 because it's connected to verse 27. So let's go now to verse 27. What's the first word in that verse? And. Okay, we can't even keep reading that verse because 28 is connected to 27 and 27 must be connected to 26 because it starts with and. So let's read verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. But we know not what we should pray for as we should. But the Spirit itself, He makes intercession or He prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then He says, and... We know, or he that searches the heart knows what's in the mind of the Spirit, because he, the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, and we know all things work together for good. How do we know? Because I'm praying the Spirit. And I know that when I'm praying in the Spirit, he's making intercession for me, and when he's making intercession for me, he's praying according to the will of God for my life, and if I'm praying the will of God by the Spirit of God, all things are going to work together for my good. There it is. There it is. So, the word good there means benefit. God is able to cause whatever has happened. Listen to me now, singles, because see, some of y'all are stuck. You're stuck at Bitter Street. Mm. I'm trying to get you to change addresses this morning. See, the only reason you stay bitter is because you really don't believe that God can do better. But see, listen, if He causes all things to work together for your good, that means something bad had to happen if he has to make good from it. Talk about it. And if something bad happened before it happened, it had to be good. So if he's going to work something together for good because something bad happens, God's good gets gooder. Mm. So my second good is going to exceed my first good because God's good don't go down, it goes up. So I don't know who was in your life before now, but what I do know is they shouldn't even have a second thought in your mind because God gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> Pastor Evan, now like I said, this is my favorite scripture. Now, how do we know this scripture to be true? Well, first let's take a step back and qualify you for this blessing. Sometimes we skate over these qualifiers. The scripture says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. That's a qualifier. And to them who are called according to his purpose. That's another qualifier. So I can't assume all of us in this building love God. So let me ask you, who loves God? I do. You qualify for the first part. The second part is, do you believe you have a purpose? That God placed you on this earth for a purpose? That's the second qualifier. So now this scripture will resonate with you. Do you realize that most of your favorite songs were written in moments of heartbreak? Wow. I was talking to Smokey Norfolk one day. Light flex, you hear I said that? Talking to Smokey Norfolk one day. And I was talking to Smokey Norfolk one day, and I was telling him how his popular song, I Need You Now, when I first heard it, it made me pull over on the side of the, the highway at first listen. Well, he shared with me that he wrote that song during a dark season of his life. His wife, during a regular checkup, was told she had tumors and it could be cancerous. They further said, we don't think you're ever going to have kids due to the location and nature of this surgery. 
Get this, the month prior, his dad had just gotten out of open heart surgery. Wow. So his heart's cry was, not a second of another minute, not an hour of another day, but at this moment with my arms outstretched, I need you to make a way as you have done so many times before you better set me now through a window and open door i stretch my hands to thee come rescue me i need you right away i need you now come on now see y'all don't know the rest I need you now. That was his heart's cry. But in the lyrics of that song, Smokey Norfolk changed the trajectory of his legacy. Why? Because in his heart's plea, God blessed him to have two miracle children. Wow. So God began to change the trajectory of his legacy, and he also changed generational wealth. Because that song not only put Smokey Norfolk on the map, but the album became number one on Billboard's gospel and stayed 104 weeks on the gospel album charts and 38 weeks on the R&B hip-hop charts. But it was birthed from his brokenness. Wow. I don't think this resonates well with y'all. Uh, do I have my friend Elsa? Elsa, are you in the audience? Elsa, stand up real quick. Elsa was on my podcast. She was on an episode called One in Five. Do you realize that some of the pain that you have gone through will birth you into your destiny? That woman standing right there, her father sold her into sex trafficking. Wow. All the way from Cameroon. But God used that brokenness in her life that now she's a, she's a therapist healing other people yes. who have gone through a lot of trauma in their life. Thank you, Elsa. I got my friend Anita Hawkins. Anita, stand up. Anita Hawkins was a teenage mom, grew up poor, broke. But standing before you is a multi-millionaire that uses her wealth to help in philanthropy and touch the lives of other single mothers. All things work together for the good of them that love God and to the called according to his purpose. Yes. I grew up watching a TV show called MacGyver. How many of y'all remember the MacGyver? I think they just said their age right then. They... Mm -hmm. MacGyver was a genius. He was proficient in multiple languages, excellent knowledge of applied physics. MacGyver was a superior problem solver. He refused to carry a gun and always had what is trusted Swiss army knife. Anytime MacGyver was in the jam, lock him in a room below ground and MacGyver could take a shoestring, a bottle cap, a used can of spray paint and one match, create a bomb to blow out a body size opening for him to sliver through. Well, our God can take the heartbreak from your failed relationship, take the abuse he delivered you from, create a women's ministry that changes the trajectory of tens of thousands of women's lives all across the world. He's the ultimate problem solver. He can take that shoestring of faith you still have left, brother, because of the woman who broke your heart. You knew you treated her like a queen. But she did you wrong. God can take the broken pieces of your heart, the fragments of your brain, and push you to become a marriage counselor and help restore the broken relationships of others. But God ain't got nothing on my God. Hallelujah. I'm going to add somebody to his story. Talk about it. Mr. LaTerrish Whitfield. Uh-oh. 
years ago was married just shy of 10 years Uh but ended up having a divorce and God has taken his brokenness Uh and given him a platform where he's now reaching hundreds of thousands of people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's go to point number three, our last one here. And we're going to talk about failed relationships should make you clever. I said failed relationships can make you bitter. Failed relationships can make you better. But failed relationships should make you clever. Here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. A lesson unlearned is a lesson repeated. Yes. Why go through something and not learn from it? You know what's going to happen? It's called repeat. Clever means mentally bright and quick in intelligence. It means wiser, discerning. It means sharp. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, this is interesting because if you don't learn from what you've gone through, you're going to repeat that. And this is why people still pick the same kind of women and pick the same kind of men because you have not learned. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to his vomit, mm. so a fool returns to their folly. I like the NLT translation. It says, As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. You ever pick the same person all over again? They just had a different face. Yeah. I mean, some of y'all, your picking is so bad. That the face is different, but they car is raggedy like the last car. <laughs> he's staying with his mama like he stayed with your last mama. She, same thing, right? So here's the question that I have for you. Do you have a picking process down? The, the English version of twi- uh, Proverbs 26, 11 says this, A fool doing some stupid thing a second time is like a dog going back to his vomit. And so the only reason we keep picking the same type is because our minds, listen, have not grown to a different level. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, I dated like a child. Yeah, yeah. But when I became a full-blown, discerning person, I put away childish things. The Living Bible says, it's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I became a man or a woman, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood. And now I have put away childish things. So, here's my question. Do you have a person-picking process? Do you have a person-picking process? So I'm going to give you, like, some brief things that you can do when you meet somebody because some of y'all are meeting people you just meeting the wrong people i'm gonna tell you what to do with those so the first step what's the first step on there what is it first step is to seek 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 now i know the bible says a man that finds a wife finds a good thing so i know he should be seeking but you know these days guys ain't just seeking women (laughs) if you don't understand that don't worry about it (laughs) So can I help you, ladies? It says a man who finds a wife, he's not looking for a girlfriend. So here's your secret. Are you ready? In fact, I'm going to give y'all this for free. If he's looking for a girlfriend, he's not your husband. There it is. Simple as that. Because 
he should be looking for a wife. So if you meet a man and he's looking for a girlfriend, you need to pass him along because he's not looking for a wife, which means that you're going to be that woman who's been with him 10 years and still don't have, you don't even have a crackerjack ring. <laughs> Everybody say seek. Seek. Okay, so, and then the next one is meet. So when you meet somebody, you could be at the gym, you could be here, you could be there, you could be everywhere. You meet them. Okay, that's fine. Once you meet them, you should be able to just look them up and down and be like, listen, these days, look, you don't even give them your phone number. Just give them your Instagram. So what you're doing is you're going to meet them online first. Not, I'm not talking about dating online. I'm, you're going to go to his feed. And, and if his feed does not, listen, if it does not match the kind of man or woman you want, he keeps growing. <laughs> <laughs> So watch this. If you see him online and you meet him online and you see it and it doesn't match up with your values, delete. Everybody say delete. Delete. Here's the third one is greet. This is when now you say, okay, we're going to greet. Well, what are you going to greet? You're going to greet over the phone. You're going to start talking on the phone. I know y'all used to texting. But you need to see if he can talk. <laughs> Sending all these emojis. Can you spell, brother? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Greek. What's the next one? Leak. So, Pastor, what is that? <laughs> well, when someone has a leak, that means something's coming out that is an overflow of who they are. There it is. So as they're talking, you need to listen for the leak. If he's talking about his mama crazy, I'm talking about calling her, I'm just, no respect, leak. You listen for a leak. Here's the next one. If, if he pass all those tests, then you see it. If you ain't got check marks on all of those, and by the way, you should be praying in the middle of all this. Yeah. See, then you sit down. Can we talk? <laughs> that's, that's when you talk. And then, and then watch this. And then when you meet them and you see, you're sitting down and you're talking. And if it don't match up, you know what you need to do? Delete. Delete. And then if that works out, <laughs> you keep. Now let me just say this. Add somebody spiritual that loves you enough to tell you no in that process. Yeah. Because some of y'all, y'all hiding who you dating, and that's why you go too far with a fool. She a gold digger, brother. You haven't figured that out? Or, brother, she just needs somebody to pick up her kids from daycare. Too many ladies. I, I, I want to stay safe. Is security in here? Security in here? Okay. Okay. So, Lutheris, why do you think people keep relationships a secret? Because you, you're the relationship expert. Tell us, why do we do that? Keep it a secret? Well, I'm talking about like you don't want nobody to know you're dating because you know who you're dating ain't the right person. So why do we do that? Because we, it's comfortable. Like, we want to be comfortable. It's, it's certain things that we're getting from that person, even though we know that it's not the one, but they're giving us something of mm. value. But they're not ultimately the person that we're choosing to spend forever with. So it's, it's out of convenience. 
Oh, wow. You know the dangerous, uh, uh, the danger part of that is God can't send the right one because you got the wrong one. There it is. So think about this. When you're with the wrong person, the longer you're with them, then you're wasting your time, your energy, your emotions. Your, you, you're just wasting a lot of time. So by the time you do meet the right sister or the right brothers, you, you are emotionally, financially, mentally, and physically broke. Because you gave all of your resources to somebody who you weren't supposed to give it to. There it is. When you spend so much time with the wrong person, have you ever got with somebody and you were healthy? And then you got with somebody that's toxic? And then you started acting like them. Your friends start saying, you don't act the same anymore since you've been dating so-and-so. That's because you began to start taking on those characteristics and those character traits of that unhealthy person. Mm. And that's why the Bible warns us to, uh, it says good, what it says, good company, uh, bad company corrupts good character. Yep. And that's what happens is when you hang around a lot of bad company, no matter how good you are, no matter how saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost you are, no matter how anointed you are, that you keep spending that private time with somebody that's unhealthy, it will corrupt your good character. It does. I mean, when I was in college, uh, all throughout high school, most of my friends smoked weed. And they would ask me, do I want some? And I passed, you know, I passed away or passed uh, all kind of weed up in high school. I get to college, and my roommate is a preacher's son. His name is Danny. Danny, I hope you're watching me today. <laughs> I passed up all that weed in high school. Why is it that the preacher's son was able to get me to start smoking weed? Everybody say bad company. Bad company. Corrupts good manners. Good, good, good manners. So let me ask you a question, Terrence, because, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with your wardrobe. I mean, you look good <laughs> from, from like your shoulders down to your, your ankles, but I'm, what, what is that, man? I look fly, right? You look fly. I know you met guys or women that you look at them and their exterior, they just look really, really good. But I know you notice these weights on my ankles. This is how some of you look trying to get into relationships. Oh. You cute or whatever, but you're carrying too much weight. Hmm. Some call it baggage. You have an anchor and it's not Jesus. Hmm. You're anchored in fear. You're anchored in doubt that you'll never have that child because you're on the heels of turning 40. Oh. Brother, you're weighed down by trust issues, commitment phobia. Never see an example of a healthy marriage, so you don't even think it's possible. You're weighed down by fear of divorce. You loved before and said you'll never be that vulnerable again. You see, with weights, you can only go so fast. You can only go so far because it affects your endurance. You get tired easier and just rather throw in the towel when situations get a little tumultuous but there's a beautiful scripture hebrews 12 and 1 therefore since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses see that's what believers are we're a cloud of witnesses for each other who by faith have testified to the truth of god's absolute faithfulness stripping off every unnecessary weight 
and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Wow. Now, what race is this scripture talking about? Could it be 2 Timothy 4 and 7 that says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hold on now. That's not encouraging enough because that sounds like a scripture that you say on your deathbed. And I know a lot of y'all saying, hey, Holy Spirit, I want to be married before I die. Uh. Now, this is a go-to scripture for singles. Isaiah 40, 31. How many of y'all know that scripture? Yes. But they who wait for the Lord. On the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Pastor Evan, one of the things that you don't realize is I was carrying a lot of weight as it related to ministry. Mm. You healed an 18-year-old boy that was inside of me. Wow. I was called to preach when I was 18 years old and I would go to churches and revivals and I would preach at various places. And then I got a little turned off by ministry because I was dealing with church hurt. I was invited to Word of Truth on Easter Sunday. And little did I know that God was going to resurrect the pain of my church hurt. Wow. Through our encounter, it wasn't the, the sermons that you preached. It was the life that you lived on a personal level with me that began to change me from the inside out. Wow. It started healing the church hurt that I had carried for so many years. So Pastor Evan, a couple of Wednesdays ago, I was up in the morning around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I want the, some uh, musicians to join the stage real quick, if you will, please. I was up around 4 o'clock in the morning. I began to just worship and, and talk to God. And God told me, join Word of Truth. And I said, no. Mm. God said, why? I said, I don't trust church. Mm. I said, I can do ministry, God, but I don't trust church. You hired me to shoot a video called Church Hurt. And I didn't even realize that I was dealing with church hurt. So on a personal level, Pastor... The very first conversation you and I had, you said, Lateris, I want you to preach during our, during our relationship series. Mm. And the first thing I did was rebuttal it and said, I'm not I'm a preacher. Mm. Mm. I said I wasn't a preacher because to, to identify with being a preacher would resurface all the pain and the hurt that I had gone through years ago. So I went to my safety net. I said I could do my podcast because that was something that I knew that I was qualified for. Nobody could ever come against it. I knew that I had the numbers and the receipts to prove that I was validated in my podcast. Wow. And so I thought I escaped it from you. Help me, Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. And one Saturday morning, you called me a couple of Saturday mornings ago. And you said, I was in prayer with God. And God said that he wants you to help me close out 
the single series. I said, we're going to do my podcast? You said, no, we're going to preach. I said, but we could, we could get some chairs and we could sit and talk. You said, no, you coming into my space. We're going to preach. So, Pastor Evan, I want to thank you in front of the world for healing my heart, for listening to the voice of God. I submit myself to you, Pastor. Oh, my God. I ask that you cover me and guide me in the things that God has called me to be. I will, den- I will never deny the call of Christ over my life. I thank you for speaking to the valley of dry bones that was in my body. And you spoke life into me. So, Pastor, I submit myself to you. It's an honor to call you my pastor. It's an honor to call you my pastor. I haven't used that phrase in such a long time. I submit myself to you. 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 I'm going to say to you, brother, I was your brother before I was your pastor. You know, I believe there's some people in this room and there's some people watching me who need healing. But healing can't come until you humble yourself. And if you need healing, glory be to God. Humble yourself right here. Just humble yourself. Whatever that means to you, humble yourself right here. Father, thank you for Lateris. Thank you for the call that is on his life. Thank you no weapon formed against him is going to prosper. And Lord, I thank you. It's not about the title of being a pastor or a preacher. It's about the assignment and call that is on his life. I thank you for using him to reach the world with the message of hope in relationships. And I thank you, Father, that greater things are ahead that he knows not of. That God doors, I hear doors opening right now. Doors opening, doors opening right now. There's some doors closing, but there's a whole lot of doors opening. Thank you, God, that doors are opening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for blessing him, Father, in ways he did not imagine. I see you selling scripts. I I, I don't know how long it's been since you've written, but I, I see scripts for sale. For big money, too. Big money. And Father, I declare for his future wifey, whoever that might be. Thank you for preserving her. And God, help him see every counterfeit the enemy will send. And thank you for keeping him until that day in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, y'all give. I love you, man. Listen to the worship.
I was talking to Pastor Evan. I told him that the first, when we did the singles, when we did the single service, when we did the podcast, I said, after Jessica Reedy sang, the Holy Spirit fell into place. And I want to go into worship, but I was a little reluctant about it because we had so much planned that, that afternoon. And I stepped out and I talked to Pastor Polo and I said, man, I wanted to, I wanted to go into a worship service. And he said, we was waiting for you. We was waiting for you. You could have took us there. I said, yeah, but I want to respect the house. And then I went home and I said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I ask that you give me a do-over. Give me a do-over that we can take people into the presence of the Lord. Give me a do-over, God. And then Pastor Evan, when he called me and invited me to speak, we were talking over the, the message and I said, I have one request. Can we usher people into the presence of the Lord through worship? Can we lay down, lay aside every weight, every weight? Can we lay aside every weight that we've been shackled with? Can we lay it aside? Because if we're going to do church, we got to do church not like it's been done before. We can't walk in bound and leave still bound. We're going to give people an opportunity, those that haven't given their life to Christ. Let me have everybody, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you, this is the best decision you could ever make in your life. The best decision you could ever make in your life is accepting and submitting yourself to your maker, your manufacturer. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your heart, Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then thou shall be saved. Pretty simple, huh? Thou shall be saved. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me see you slip your hand up. Let me see you slip your hand up. That's one. There's one, two, three, four, five. But let me tell you something that's different about this moment. It's not about to be a moment where we all corporately say the sinner's prayer. God is calling for us to be bold in the body of Christ. Everybody else is coming out the closet and Christians are running in the closet. God is about to release a dispensation on this earth for bold believers. So if you raise your hand and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your, poor, uh, as your personal Lord and Savior, come down to this altar. 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 Come on. God is waiting on you. Come on. The altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of covenant. It's a place of relationship. It's a place of redemption. Yes. It's a place of restoration. It's a place of healing. Thank you, Jesus. Lay aside every weight. The boldest decision you could ever make is submitting yourself to a Savior. Maybe you're in a backslidden condition. You're sitting in this audience, but you've grown a little little weary in your well-doing. And your faith has wavered a bit.
you want to rededicate your life to Christ, if that's you, then I want to extend the opportunity for you to come down to this altar. If you want to make a recommitment, if you want a fresh anointing over your life, give you an opportunity to come down to this altar. I want y'all to lift your hands before me. The Lord is about to release something into your life. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. Thank you for sparing my life. Thank you for sparing my life. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for second chances. And third chances. And third chances. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Teach me how to fall in love with you. Teach me. Cover me. Cover me. Teach me. Teach me. Guide me. Guide me. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Teach me how to witness to others. Teach me how to witness to others. About the goodness that you performed in my life. About the goodness that you performed in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise all over this place. Hallelujah. Give God some praise all over this place. Hallelujah. Thank y'all. Y'all can be seated. They're going to give y'all a slip for you to... Well, she's getting fast. Here's an opportunity. Some of y'all haven't been in worship environments, and you may not... Maybe your first time being in a worship environment. Worship is the most beautiful connection that you can have with Christ. Pastor Evan, y'all have such a dynamic worship team. Don't they have a... When I tell you, y'all make it easy to enter into the throne room of God. So what's going to happen in this moment? Is miracles and wonders are about to take place. Yes. Miracles and wonders are about to take place. See, early in my Christian walk, when I would travel around and preach... Oh, I've seen miracles and wonders. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. You will hear people talk about the Holy Spirit. You may not know what that truly is. And you see people raise their hands up. They're raising their hands up. Well, the first thing that a police officer does when you're under arrest, what does he say? Stop, freeze. And the first thing you do is do what? You put your hands up. You say, don't shoot. <laughs> So you put your hands up and the act of putting your hands up is doing what? Showing them that you have nothing in your hands. You have no weapons to use against them and you're submitting yourself to them. That's what the act of worship is. You lift your hands up to the Heavenly Father. You say, God, I have nothing to hold anymore. I give myself away to you in this moment. I have no weapons. I have no strongholds. I'm giving myself to you. But you know what happens in this beautiful exchange is while you're offering yourself up, God is depositing himself into you. Hallelujah. In worship. So worship team, Pastor Polo, take it from here. I want you to enter into a place of worship. I want you to just escape to a place with your heavenly father so that healing can take place that you can drop every stronghold every idiosyncrasy that you're still holding on pastor polo come on can we just stand on our feet right now hallelujah
Free, I want you to sing this song that says, I want to go deeper. I want to go further. I want more of you, Lord. Come on right now. If that's your heart's cry, just worship with us. Come on. Yes, God. I want to go further. Hallelujah, God. I want more of you, Lord. Yes, God. Hallelujah, God. I want to go deeper. Release the spirit, God. I want to go further. Fall in this place right now in the name of Jesus. If it's your presence, I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. I want more Release in this Lord. place right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, I want to go A fresh anointing, God. I want to go deep. I want you to line up at the front of this altar. Those that are needing prayer, I want you to join the prayer team. I want you to become vulnerable in this moment. God is waiting on you to show up for you.